Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Luke chapter 18 is where we're going to be today, and we are actually in a series right now called Parables. And uh, this series, we wanted to take some time before Easter to be able to uh, just learn about the life of Jesus. And so the series Parables is, is how we're doing that. And the word parable actually comes from two Greek words that are put together. So the word para means alongside, and the word bole means to throw. And so a parable is actually a story that's thrown alongside a truth. And so, uh, you know, approximately about one-third of Jesus' teachings are actually parables. So it's a huge part of, of how he teaches. And so we're taking some time to look at those. And last week, Pastor Brian kicked us off uh, with a, a parable of, from Mark chapter 4 about the sower and the seeds and the soil. And if you haven't checked that out, make sure you do that. Uh, but today we're going to look at a parable in Luke chapter 18. Uh, verses 1 through 8, and it says this, one day Jesus told his disciples a story, and that word is actually parable, uh, to show that they should always pray and never give up. So immediately we know the purpose of what this is, is talking about, to show that we should always pray and never give up. And here's the story. So there was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while. And finally, he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Today's message is called A Parable of Contrasts. Uh, a Parable of Contrasts. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that when we open your word, that it's like that seed that can go into our heart, God, and it can bring about change uh, in our lives. And so, God, today we open up ourselves to your word. And we open up our hearts to your word. And God, we just ask that you would do that very thing in our lives, that you would bring about change in us, that you would speak to us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the concept of uh, contrast, I actually heard about that uh, the first time I remember it was actually as it relates to art. Uh, And so in college, I actually took an art history class, which is not at all like, like I don't understand art. So I'll just go ahead and tell you that right now. Um, I'm more like math and science kind of a person. But I took this class because it was one of those classes that everybody said, you have to take that class during college because of the professor. 
And uh, the professor's name was Victor Uritsen, okay? And he was actually this, like, incredible art expert. He had uh, been a curator at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. He had spent time at the Louvre. Like, he just, he knew his stuff. And uh, so I decided to take his class, and um, he actually, every single day, this is, like, what I remember about the class, Every single day, he wore the exact same outfit. Um, So he would come in with a white button-down shirt with pockets. Pockets were key. That's where he put his glasses. Every day, white button-down shirt, pockets, pleated khaki pants, and gray New Balance tennis shoes. The man was a style icon. And so he would come in every day from the back of the stage over here. He would come in to the class. He always had a, uh, a handful of cough drops. And so he would come in, drop his cough drops on the podium, and start his lecture. Uh, and so in this class, at the same time, I actually, so I went to school at the University of Oklahoma. Uh, and, and we are like, okay, we're decent in football. I'm not going to say much more than that because I don't want to start a fight. Uh, I know what part of the country I'm in right now, but I love college football. And um, I had like season tickets all throughout school and it was like a big deal, big part of like the campus life. And at that time, OU had a pretty decent, like we were doing pretty well in football and um, went to the national championship during that time. Well, our football team was led by our um, amazing quarterback at that time. His name was Sam Bradford. And um, he actually won the Heisman that year, so the year that I'm in this class. So he was like like celebrity status, but I'm going to say more like almost like godlike status, like on our campus. And uh, so he, I'm like sitting in art history the first day, getting ready. I didn't know Professor Uritzen, but like I'm ready for his style and like ready to learn about art. And I'm sitting there and guess who opens the door and walks in and sits next to me? Sam Bradford. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, oh my gosh. And uh, immediately I pull my flip phone out, you know, of course. And uh, I start to text my friends like, oh my gosh, Sam Bradford's in my class. Oh my gosh, Sam Bradford's taking notes with a pen and paper. Oh my gosh, Sam Bradford's chewing gum today. Like, oh my gosh. And my friends are like, like, we get it. We get it. We're good. Like, um, so needless to say, and my parents are watching today, I apologize for wasting the thousands of dollars on that art history class because I don't know how much I actually learned. Um, but I do remember him talking about the principle in art, the principle of a contrast. And here's the definition of a contrast. A contrast is described as opposites placed side by side to create emphasis. So it's opposites placed side by side to create emphasis. And they're actually going to put a picture on the screen. Um, So the gray square in the middle of the screen is actually the same shade on both sides. But if you were to look at this, the one on the right appears darker because of that contrast that's there, okay? And so the parable that we read in Luke chapter 18 is actually designed to be a parable of contrast, 
not comparison. So last week when Pastor Brian shared, he shared a parable of comparison. So like the soil is like your heart. That's a parable of comparison. But this one that we find in Luke chapter 18 is actually a parable of contrast. And so there's three main contrasts that we, that we see in this parable that I'd love to share with you today. And the first one is this, is the contrast of the judge. The contrast of the judge. And what we see in the text, uh, verse 2 says this, There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. And so we see in the text that the judge was unfair, uh, that he was ungodly, that he did not care about people. Uh, We see in verse 4 that he ignored the widow, and he actually only, like, answered her request out of his own self-interest. Like he said, she's bothering so much, bothering me so much that I have to make a decision for her. So he's distant, he's uncaring, he's more consumed uh, with himself. And really in this text, the judge is actually a picture of God. And again, we're here to see the contrast. And so you see in, in verse number six, it said, This is what Jesus is providing explanation. He said, then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? So what Jesus is saying is like, even if this ungodly judge, even if he ruled in favor of this woman in the end, don't you think... That God, who isn't like that judge at all, will come through for you as well. And so through that question, Jesus brings us like a really important question, and that's this. How do you view God? How do you view God? Um, Maybe you view God as a harsh judge. So he's always keeping tally on the good and the bad that you do, ready to drop the hammer as soon as you make a mistake. Maybe... God to you is just like a fairy tale. So maybe he's like even in the same category for you as like the tooth fairy and the Easter bunny. Um, Maybe God is like so distant to you. So when you think of God, you just think of someone who's so distant. Like he set the world into motion, put it into motion, and now he's hands off. The out of office email is on. Like he is not involved in your everyday life. Or maybe God's like a creepy neighbor to you. He's always like watching you, keeping tabs on you, always knows what's going on. Um, Maybe God's like a genie to you. How many of you picture the genie from Aladdin? It's my people. Uh, But maybe God's like a genie to you, where it's like anytime you like need something or your three wishes and, and that's how you approach God. Or maybe God's like an ambulance to you where it's like only when things are like really bad and it's an emergency situation, that's how you approach God and that's when you approach God. But I want to encourage you today that the answer to that question is actually very important. And here's why. Your view of God will determine your relationship with God. So the way that you see God determines like how you approach God and it determines your relationship with God. And today I just wanted to challenge you. I don't know where you're at. 
uh, in your relationship with God, but I wanted to share some truth with you today. And here is who God is. God is close. Um, God's close to you. So Psalm 145, 18 says, the Lord is close to all who call on him. The second thing is this, that God is love. So 1 John chapter 4, 16 says this, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. The next truth is this, that God is good. Psalm 145, 19 says, The Lord is good to everyone. His compassion rests on all he has made. God is our Father. Psalm 103, 13 says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. And God invites us to come to him. Hebrews chapter 4 says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And there we will receive his mercy. And I want to encourage you this morning um, just to think about what is your view of God, that God is not a harsh judge. That scripture just said that, that God invites us to come to him and that he is gracious and there to give us mercy. The second contrast that we see in this parable is the contrast of persistent prayer. In verse uh, 3, it says this, The widow of the city came to him repeatedly, saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. Uh, Verse number 5 says, This woman is driving me. The judge is saying, This woman is driving me crazy. She is wearing me out with her constant requests. And so in this text, we see a picture of persistence. A picture of persistence. Um, persistence is defined as the firm continuance uh, in a course of action despite difficulty or opposition. And um, when I was really thinking of like, what does persistence look like? Uh, There's a group of humans that came to my mind when I started thinking about persistence, and that is children. Can I get an amen from the parents? Um, kids have a way of being incredibly persistent. Um, so I don't have kids of my own, but I am an aunt. And so I've got some experience of their questions that they repeatedly, consistently, and stubbornly ask. And most of them start with why. Um, and so they, have a, they, they ask why they have to brush their teeth. They ask uh, why they have to go to bed at a certain time. They ask why they can't play Nintendo Switch for six hours a day. They ask why they have to go to school, why they have to wear certain clothes, or clothes at all, honestly. Uh, they ask why they have to eat their vegetables, why they share their toys, why they have to be so nice to their friends and not like bite them, punch them, kick them. Um, They ask why they can't eat Chick-fil-A for every meal, which honestly is a valid question. Um, They ask why they have to clean their room. They ask why they can't touch this or that. They ask why they have to stand in line, why they have to wash their hands, why they can't have dessert before dinner. They are the picture of persistence. They take that three-letter word and they wear you down. They wear your will down until you want to lose your mind. Uh, They are the picture of persistence. 
And the widow in this text that we see in Luke chapter 18, she had to use her persistence to overcome the judge's reluctance to help her. And um, I think, honestly, if we were to be honest, we feel that way sometimes when we pray, that we have to use our persistence to, like, overcome God's reluctance. And in this text, again, remember the contrast is, is Jesus did not say that we should pray and not lose heart because God is reluctant, but because he isn't. And that's our encouragement to pray. Um, A commentary I was reading said this, sometimes it does seem to us that God is reluctant to answer our prayers. And this is key. Yet the delays in prayer are not needed to change God, but to change us. Persistence in prayer brings a transforming element into our lives, building into us the character of God himself. Those prayers are the way that God builds into us a heart that cares about the things that he cares about. It's a way that we get closer to God. And um, I think it's easy sometimes to think about prayer and think that it has to be like this perfect like formula or equation or I have to say the exact right thing to actually get through to God. Or if I like all of a sudden like, have King James Version language and add some like these and thous to my prayer, like maybe that'll get through to God. Or if I'm loud enough, like maybe God will listen to me then. Or maybe you're like intimidated to pray at all. And so like, like you just don't. And um, if we view prayer that way, then we miss the point of prayer. Again, it goes back to what's our view of God, but if if we just view God as like a vending machine, then all we see is just that the point of prayer is to ask God for things. But the point of prayer is relationship. It's to be close to God. And all great relationships have great communication. And so I want to encourage you today, if you find yourself in that place that prayer, uh, it's just simply communication with God. You don't have to have an equation. You don't have to say it exactly the right way. You just have to connect with God. Whatever's in your heart, to connect with God that way. Martin Luther said it this way, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It is laying hold of his willingness. And then the last point is this, the last contrast that we see in this text is the contrast of the widow. The contrast of the widow. Uh, Verse 3 tells us that the main character in this text is a judge and a widow. And the text doesn't give us much uh, information about the widow. Um, But we do know that in that time that the widow was a symbol of the poor and defenseless. And judges in that culture um, were actually very political and very unfair And so for them to actually make a decision in your favor, you had to have like some sort of influence or some sort of favor. You had to have money to pay them to actually make a decision in your favor. And so she comes to the judge with no money. 
She has no representation, no lawyer, no advocate to help her. And she just comes to the judge and all she has is her persistence. And the truth is, is that the widow is a picture of us. Um, This is a beautiful picture of the gospel, that we are so poor and defenseless, that we are broken and we're separated from God because of our sin, because of our choices and our mistakes. And the Bible tells us that the penalty of sin is separation from God. But instead of being alone and standing before a judge to pay a price we could never pay, God made a way for us through the life of Jesus. And Jesus actually became our advocate. An advocate is someone who represents someone else in their cause. First John chapter 2 says this, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of the world. And the truth is that not only Jesus, not only did he become our advocate and to plead our case before God, but he actually took our place. He actually took the sentence on himself. He took that judgment on himself. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So he made a way for us to be forgiven from our sins and to be made right with God. So the widow stood before the judge, defenseless, poor, on her own, without an advocate, without a representative. But the contrast in what we see is that we have an advocate. And not only just an advocate, but someone who took our place and made it possible for us to be right with God. That there doesn't have to be that separation anymore. And as we close today, I'd love for you to take just a moment and ask yourself a question that we ask often. And that is, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? Maybe you, like, as I was talking about your view of God, maybe that's like what comes to your mind and your heart. Maybe just today you can take a step to having a more correct and more accurate and more truthful view of who God is. But maybe you find yourself in in what I was talking about with the persistent prayer. And the truth is, when when Pastor Brian asked me to speak uh, on this Sunday, he told me that I could pick any parable that I wanted to. And um, so one morning as I was just flipping through the pages of my Bible um, and looking at all the different parables, I landed on Luke chapter 18. And uh, if you could open up the pages of my Bible and see it, you'll see that it's underlined, that it's highlighted, that there's things written in the margin. And if you could open the pages of my journal, which please don't. um, (laughs) One day when I die, just please bury them with me or burn them. Um, But if you could open the pages of my journal, you would see this is written about a lot. 
you would see some prayers that I've prayed for years, some persistent prayers. And as of right now, those prayers have not been answered. And to be honest with you, I have felt like that widow before, wondering like, God, like, why are you so reluctant to answer this prayer? Like I've prayed over and over again. Like, why are you reluctant to answer this prayer for me? And the truth is like, I believe that prayer will be answered. Those prayers will be answered. Um, but today, I, what was on my heart and what, like the burden that I have for today is that I believe that there are some of you that you find yourself in that place today. And in verse one of the parable, Jesus tells us what the purpose of the parable is. And that is to always pray and to never give up. But I think there are some of you today that you've, you find yourself in that place. Like you've prayed for the same thing over and over again. Maybe it's like a family or a broken relationship that you're like, God, I just, like, can you please like come through with this? Maybe it's like a dream that's in your heart that you're just like, you've prayed over and over and over again. And you just, it seems like there's no breakthrough. Maybe it's like a financial thing in your life where you're just like, God, could you just provide? Like I'm doing the right things. Could you just provide for me? Or maybe it's like addiction or some sort of like stronghold in your life that it's like you struggle with the same thing over and over and over again. And you're just wondering like, God, will there ever be like an answer to this? And today I wanna encourage you to pray and to never give up. And I wanna encourage you that God is not reluctant to answer that prayer. And I don't know why, I don't understand God's timing, but today I wanna pray for you. If you find yourself in that place, whatever that situation looks like in your life, whether you're here in person or you're joining us online, I'd love to pray for you. So if you don't mind, if you'll just slip up your hand I'd love to take a moment just to pray for you, for whatever that prayer is in your life that you're asking God to answer. So God, I thank you so much for every single person that's here, God. And I thank you for um, the fact, God, that you are not reluctant to answer us. God, I thank you that you're our loving Father. God, I thank you that you are uh, the one who uh, holds all the answers in our life, God. And so right now, Lord, I pray for every situation that's represented today, God, whether they raise their hand or not. And God, I just pray uh, with the little faith that we have, God, whether it's just a little bit of faith, God, or a lot of faith, God, today we put our faith in you and we say that you can do miracles. So God, I just pray for miracles today. God, I pray for breakthrough in those situations. But God, I also pray and we declare today that you are not reluctant. God, that you're our father, that you hear us, that you know, and God, you know best. And so Lord, today we also, as much as we ask you to do a miracle in our life, God, we also put our trust in you. And we say, God, we trust you with the timing. We trust you with the answer. God, we trust that it's going to unfold in our life in the best way possible. So God, we thank you for that. We thank you for who you are. 
And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd love to also speak to those of you in the room who find yourself in the place of the widow that I mentioned earlier. Like you're in a place where you've never let Jesus into your heart or given him your life. You've never said yes to Jesus or you've never made the decision to follow him. Um, Or maybe you have made that decision in the past, but you find yourself uh, in a place where you feel distant from God and you just need a fresh start and you wanna come back to Jesus today. And we wanna give you that opportunity today. So if you're here and you want to invite Jesus into your heart, I wanna just simply lead you in a prayer. And if you wanted to be included in that prayer today, and today you wanna make a a decision to start a relationship with God, I want you uh, to without hesitation on the count of three to raise your hand just as a step of faith, just to say, hey, would you include me in that prayer? One, two, three. Yeah. Yes, thank you so much. So if you'll just pray this in your heart, say, Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. So please come live inside of me and change me, make me brand new. God, I surrender my whole life to you. And God, today, I choose to follow you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, can we celebrate with those who made that decision today? Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople. 